So tonight, I want to talk to you about something that uh, is kind of a weird topic for a talk at New Spring, and yet it's something, the topic for tonight is something that we all have experience with, whether regardless of your education, background, socioeconomic status, all that. I promise, chances are, sometime today, you had direct experience with what we're going to talk about tonight, the topic for tonight, and it is, I'm going to go grab my props, uh, the topic for tonight is garbage. How many of you had some direct experience today in some way or another with garbage? The rest of you haven't thought it through. Think, th- think it through. All right. So we're going to talk about garbage. Now, in, in our everyday experience, in our, in our everyday life, we have a pretty simple, straightforward relationship with garbage, if you think about it. Um, we all generate it, and none of us want to keep it around very long. Right? We, all have, we all have garbage in our lives, and we all create garbage, um, but we also all want to get rid of it on a regular basis, right? But this, it is for this reason that every week we do the little garbage dance, right? Uh, it's one night a week at your house. You know how it goes. You go out, and you roll the blue canister down to the curb, and you roll the blue one down first because you have to look and see. Are the tan ones out, right? You look at your neighbors. All right, is this a recycling week? Is it not a recycling week? Which turns out... Excuse me. I just moved. And I'm now convinced that peer pressure is alive and well, no matter how old you are. Because I live in a neighborhood now where we always put it out because you look to see if two or three neighbors have put it out, and they have. And half the time they're wrong, but all the rest of us just put ours out too. Just because we saw, and it might be a, might be a recycling week, right? So we put it down there. But we do this. We regularly take out the trash. It's a pretty simple relationship that we have with it. And, and I think we could say this. Um, our life is made better because we take out the trash. Your life is made better because you take out the trash. My life is better. If I decided to hang on to it, I'd have some problems. Tra- trash tends to get toxic after a while. It tends to get a little smelly. It, it, it tends to be something that would be off-putting to friends you might invite over to your house if you were to not take out the trash. So our lives are made better because we take out the trash. It's simple when it comes to physical trash. We have a very simple relationship. But isn't it interesting that we tend to have kind of a, a complicated relationship with trash that's on the inside? It's kind of a complicated relationship with what we do with the garbage sometimes that's part of our, our life. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And, and just to get us started, right, we're, we're going to set out a, a working definition of garbage that'll work whether we're talking about physical garbage in your house or garbage in our lives. Garbage is just worthless stuff that we accumulate that we need to get rid of. Fair? Right? That's what garbage is. First of all, it's worthless. Whatever it is, it's not doing me any good. Right? It, I, I don't need to keep it. It's not something that, that, you know, that quick trip cup is not contributing a lot to my life at this point, right? It served its purpose. Now it's done. I want to get rid of it. It's, it's, it's worthless to me. But it's also something that accumulates, right? We know this. Anybody who has a teenage kid in this room understands that garbage accumulates, right? You go in that room and you say, oh my, oh my word. I see now what my mom was talking about when she used to come in my room and say, oh my word. You know, um, but it accumulates. Garbage, garbage accumulates. By the way, as a, as a governmental challenge, this is a problem, right? Because states and 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 uh, communities are trying to get rid of garbage as fast as it's getting generated, because somewhere trash accumulates. So because of that, we need to get rid of it. 
How many of you have seen some sort of reality TV show on hoarding? At some point in time, you were flipping the channels or something, you ran across a reality TV show on hoarding. If you watch the natural progression of things, right? The natural progression of things for a hoarder is they start to let stuff accumulate that's worthless and they don't need it. They don't need to keep it around. But because it accumulates, eventually it displaces them. They don't get to sleep in their bed anymore because there's garbage there. They don't get to eat on the dinner table anymore because there's garbage there. They don't have space to, to stretch out and enjoy their nice, spacious living room. Why? Because there's garbage there. Garbage tends to accumulate. And we know from, you know, what, what, are the, what is the whole point of those shows? The whole point of those shows is you bring somebody in who will take all that stuff out. It's accumulated. They need to get rid of it. But here's what happens. When, when that stuff starts to displace you, then you start to organize your life around it, right? You've seen this in the shows. They start to, to make their life decisions and choices and schedule based off of the accumulation of junk. And you know what happens? After you do that for long enough, your identity becomes wrapped up in the junk, right? That's why they don't want anybody to come in and take the stuff out of their house because somehow now that's become part of their identity. And as I'm saying that, chances are somebody's popping in your mind, somebody that you know who's accumulated so much garbage in their life in their soul, in their, in, in their just how they process the world. Maybe it's a bad attitude. Maybe it's a bad friendship. Maybe it's a series of bad habits that they've, that they've gotten into. But it's accumulated to where it displaced them. All of a sudden, they weren't the person you used to know. They didn't do the things that they used to do, and they started to be a different person. And then after a while, because they had been displaced for so long, and they were dealing with so much garbage, all of a sudden, their identity was wrapped up in it, and they couldn't let go. So the truth is, whether we're talking about garbage in your kitchen pail or we're talking about garbage in our lives, it's something we need to get rid of. Our life is made better because we get rid of it. And so we've got the little working definition. We're going to move on from that. So I want to tell you a story that Jesus told about a guy who had a very complicated relationship with the garbage in his life. And I want you to see what Jesus has to say about this guy because while I doubt very seriously there are a lot of us in here who would share the same decisions and same attitude as this guy that we're going to read about, it stands as a warning that as Christians, we need to be sure we don't go where this guy is. We need to not become the extreme hoarder that he was, and we need to really watch out. So we're going to just take some keys from this story that can help us really make sure that we have traction in our relationship with God and that we haven't gotten off uh, direction a little bit. So let's just break into this story. This is in, cha this is in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus is telling a story to some who had great confidence <clears throat> in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. <clears throat> These would have been Pharisees and religious teachers. And everybody who reads this who read this at the time understood that's who these people were. They were so bad at this that everybody understood. When Jesus said, these were people who looked down their nose at everybody else and they thought that they were better than everybody else. These were PCP, professional church people, right? God said, when Jesus is telling this story, it's not lost on, on or when this is written in the scripture, it's not lost on anybody who Jesus is talking to. He says, here's the story. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Well, if you've read your Bible, if you've read the Gospels, you're maybe pretty used to this story. It's no shocker. It's, you know, certainly doesn't just jump off the page at you. But you have to understand, in Jesus' time, when he's teaching this, this was a, this was a big deal. It's like he basically said, so two guys walk into New Spring, right? And this, you know, a few years ago when, when uh, Dr. Graham was still alive. Two guys walk into New Spring. Billy Graham walks into New Spring and Bernie Madoff walks in, Right? 
Well, this is very much kind of, now you're going to find out that the Pharisee that we're talking about is nothing like Billy Graham. Um, and yet the tax collector that we're talking about is actually probably a lot like Bernie Madoff in a lot of ways, only way more brazen. See, Rome was over the Jewish people at this time. Rome had conquered a lot of other people groups and they, and they were over the Jewish people. But Rome was an interesting ruler. They didn't really get into the nitty gritty of, of politics and ruling a people group. What they cared about was the money. They wanted the taxes. So the main thing they were concerned about was collecting the taxes uh, from the peoples that they'd conquered. The Jews uh, were, were, were one of those groups. And so they understood though that if you send a Roman tax collector to Jewish homes to collect taxes, that's not gonna be very well received. So they were smart about it. They go and they find Jewish people who are willing to be turncoats, and they get Jewish people from that community to go around and collect taxes. And here's what they told them. Look, whatever you collect, we don't care so long as we get what we tell you to collect. So they basically gave these guys the opportunity to demand under Rome's authority, whatever dollar, it's like a blank check. They could demand whatever dollar figure they thought they could squeeze out of people and they could keep the surplus. So they were swindlers. There's no nice way to say it. They, they were cheats, right? And so when, when you think about how a Jewish person saw a tax collector, they saw them as a turncoat, as somebody who, who had no conscience, as somebody who was a swindler and a cheat. And so Jesus is saying, here comes a guy into church, a Pharisee. This is who you expect to come into church. This is a church person, a professional church person. He saunters in doing his church walk, you know, Sunday church walk. Everybody's like, hey, look at me. I'm dressed nice, see my suit and everything, right? And then here comes this Bernie Madoff guy in his orange prison jumpsuit. Everybody knows what he did. Everybody knows what he's doing. He's robbed people's futures from them. He's taken away people's ability to have a, a good livelihood. He's left people on the verge of bankruptcy and now he has, his, has the nerve to show up in church of all places. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. By the way, to say he stood by himself is, is inadequate. In the Hebrew, it really means that he walked to the front of the room and he posed. You ever know somebody who's a church poser? You know that what they look like on the weekend and what they look like the rest of the week, two different things. Who they really are is one thing and who they present themselves as at church is a whole other deal. And the Bible says, here comes Mr. Pharisee, professional church person, sauntering in church. He's got his little walk going on and then he comes up and he does this pose and everybody goes, see, that's how you do church. That's how you do church. I mean, that guy has style. That guy has panache, you know. Those are the people we should be looking up to. Those are the, those are the, the cream of the crop. Those are the people that God really, really blesses. Look at how sharp he looks in church. Here comes this tax collector in the background. Here's Mr. Pharisee posing, and here's tax collector way back at the back of the room. We know he was back there because the Bible says he was. Meanwhile, Mr. Church person has a prayer to pray. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. How's that for a prayer? I thank you, God, that I'm better than everyone else. I appreciate the fact that you made me special and so much, you know, not like this person over here, not like that person over there. I mean, look at them. You see how you made, you made me better than them. I know that, right? He said, you know, specifically cheaters. There's people in the room, they're cheaters. I'm better than them. Sinners. Most of these people in this room are sinners. I'm better than that. Not adulterers, wouldn't even think about it, right? And you know what? Specifically, I'm certainly better than this tax collector. I don't even know why they let him in the doors. He says, I fast twice a week. You can tell God why he's so good. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Uh, 
but, but check this out. While Mr. Pharisee's having a, a party for himself up there, right? the tax collector's at the back of the room, and the Bible says that he stood at the distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, and instead he beat his chest in sorrow. This was a sign in the ancient Orient of, of, of deep regret and deep shame and deep contrition, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Okay, here's the setup. Mr. Professional Church Person doing what they do. Everybody who, was part, everybody who went to the temple had seen this over and over again. The Pharisees went to church every day, <clears throat> went to the front row, stood, posed, prayed their prayers really loud for everybody to hear, <clears throat> made a spectacle of themselves. And then in the background, here's this guy who probably shouldn't even be in church, raising his eyes to heaven, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. All right, this is where you pretty much figure this is going, you know? God says, all right, I won't stomp you from the face of the earth, but you know, you probably don't belong in church, just, just telling you. And to the Pharisee, he says, way to go, kid. You're doing exactly what I want you to do. But that's not how Jesus does this. And this is where it was a, the shot heard around the world for Jesus to be telling this group of Pharisees of whom this guy would have fit in really, really well. <clears throat> he said, I tell you, this sinner, the Bernie Madoff guy, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. <clears throat> See, this was a setup. God was setting up the story so he could break the expectation. See, up until then, people had the expectation, if you were a good person, then God accepted you and God loved you and you were in God's favor. If you were a bad person, God hated you, God didn't want you around and God was trying to sweep you away. So God sets it up. Here's a good person who goes to the temple. Here's a bad person who goes to the temple. But where he violated their expectations is he said, the bad person went home, made right with God, justified means just as if he'd never sinned. He was made right with God and the person who was good walked away not justified before God. See the Pharisee, as far as he's concerned, he was right with God when he walked in. As far as he was concerned, he was good with God as he sauntered into the temple. God's saying he wasn't right when he came, he wasn't right when he was in the building, and he wasn't right when he left. Well, that was a pretty big thing to drop in the middle of that room. So as I look at that story, it's really important for me because the Pharisees were in many ways right theologically, but they were wrong and how they applied their theology, and they were wrong in how they lived their theology. So that's a danger for any Christian, isn't it? Isn't it a danger for any of us to be right on theology, to be right on how we view God, but to not live the way that God wants us to live or to mishandle things? And so we just wanna take a look at this story and see what this Pharisee did wrong. I mean, he left not justified before God. That's what the Bible said. So, so what, what can we take away from this about how we can live as a, as a, as a God follower in a way where we really do connect with God, when we come on this property, when we interface with God, how, how, do we, how do we really be sure that we're making that connection and we're not just fooling ourselves, right? So I, I just wanna take a few points from this story and, and then we'll, we'll be done. If you're taking notes, we've got this in the, in the New Spring uh, app tonight. But the first thing that we notice from this story, and you know, it's a shocker, right? But the first thing we see is that everybody has garbage. Everybody, right? Now, why do we struggle to accept this when it comes to, when, when we talk about garbage in our lives, somehow we struggle to accept this. As a matter of fact, I don't think this is a problem at New Spring because my dad and I and Steve and other speakers, we talk about the fact that we have personal flaws and failings. A lot of times we'll talk about it up here. But in some churches, there are people that sit in the pews that really believe somehow the pastor doesn't have garbage. 
They believe that some people are, are, are garbage less, but we don't expect that in real life. You can drive through the nicest neighborhood in Wichita the night before garbage day, garbage eve, right? <laughs> you drive through their neighborhood, right? Nicest neighborhood in town, multi-million dollar homes. What are you going to see? You're going to see the same blue and tan bins out in front of their house that is in front of your house. Why? Because everyone has garbage. Is anybody shocked at that? No. Nobody says, let's put this in the news. I was driving through this brand new, beautiful neighborhood in Andover and they had garbage because we know everybody has garbage. We accept that. We expect that. How is it that when it comes to the garbage in our life, somehow we think some people have garbage and other people don't have garbage? Pharisee didn't think he had any garbage. Remember, I said he thought he was right with God when he walked in there. I don't have any garbage. And then he came and he told God he didn't have any garbage. He said, isn't it great, God? I don't have any garbage. I'm not a cheater. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a sinner. Isn't it cool that I live a garbage-less life? But as we're going to talk about in a minute, anytime we start to believe we live a, we're living a garbage-less life, we're fooling ourselves. And the, the odor we'll pretty soon let everybody know that we're fooling ourselves, right? Everybody has garbage. Let me show you a Bible verse that says this very clearly. Everybody has sinned, right? That's a pretty unilateral statement. Every person that's ever walked the face of the earth has done something that put distance between them and a holy God. They've done something that, that constitutes garbage. All of us have created garbage. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. What causes garbage to happen in our life? It's when something worthless gets a, gets a hold in our life and it begins to put distance between us and God. It displaces us from where we should be. We begin to order our life around it and eventually it becomes our identity. And so the Bible says this has happened at some point to every single one of us, right? So we fool ourselves when we, when we think we don't have garbage. He says, I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm definitely not like this guy. By the way, in case we might read that and somehow think that people were just so much better, the Pharisees were just so much better. I mean, you read about the fact that how careful they were to follow the laws of God and all of this. You know, may, maybe this guy really was just a blameless guy. Well, Jesus tells us it's, that's not true. If you look at Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the people at large about the Pharisees and he says, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Check this out, for they don't practice what they preach. He's saying the guy comes in, he poses, and he says he doesn't have any garbage, but he's got a lot of garbage. And you want to know what his garbage is? His garbage is that what he, what he preaches on Sunday is not what he lives Monday through Saturday. He said these guys crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a, fig, a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and, and they love to sit at the head uh, table at banquets. Boy, do these guys love to be honored. If you ever want to, you know, part of the challenge of convincing yourself that you're perfect is you need other people to vet you on that. You need other people to stroke your ego. Whenever we start to, start to, to, sort of sweep under the rug our, our faults and we don't really want to see it and we don't want to know about it and we want to sort of feel like we don't have any faults. We need some people around us to sort of reassure us that we're great. So these guys love to go to banquets and be at the head of the table because it just reminds them, look how good I am. He says, and they like to sit in the seats of, of honor in the synagogues. But these guys, as we're going to see later, are full of selfishness and self-indulgence. That's what Jesus said about them. So, suppose... Jonathan Hoover wants to project an, a garbage-less image. In my neighborhood, where I live, 
Suppose that I want to give my neighbors the impression that there's no garbage in my life. You know what I'll have to do? I'll have to hide it. I'm going to keep creating garbage. I'm going to have to hide it. I'm going to have to accommodate it. I'm going to have to make room for it so that nobody sees it, right? And you know somebody in your life that's done this. You were shocked when a huge revelation came out that they were, they were off in, in, a, in a bad place doing a bad thing and all of a sudden it sort of hit the fan. You thought, I never knew anything was happening. Why? Because it's a human tendency to hide garbage. If we want to project to the world that we don't have any garbage, the first thing that we tend to do is we tend to hide it. We tend to accommodate it. But there's a principle of life, and if you're taking notes, this is part of it, but this principle, this principle is, is unilaterally true. Whenever I accommodate garbage in my life, life starts to stink. Fair? Not just for me, but for everybody around me. If I decide that I'm going to hoard the garbage in my house so that my neighbors don't think that I have garbage, you know, it's going to start making life difficult for my kids. Because this life's going to start to stink. It's going to make life difficult for my wife because life's going to start to stink. You know, people that we might invite over, it's going to make it difficult on them. I mean, you know, if you're a friend, you might go over for dinner, you know, if somebody was doing that, but you wouldn't go twice. And you go the first time and you would say, we are never going back to that place ever again, right? See, what happens when we start to accommodate garbage in our life is we make life unpleasant for us and we make it nearly unbearable for everybody around us, Right? So I want to talk to you for, for, for just a couple minutes in a second about ways that we accommodate garbage in our life. But I want to show you this verse because it really tells us a lot about what happens. Uh, the Bible says, when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So it, 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 it ends good things, right? That would be a good translation there because the word death there just means separation. It, it's, it's the end of good things, right? So while the home that I live in is very neat and neatly laid out, that is all due to my... Uh, better half. That's all due to my spouse. She's very, very exceptional at, at keeping things nice uh, in the house. Me personally, whatever the corners of the earth are where I reside, like beside my bed and then also the 15 square feet of space in my car, however much that is, right? Those spaces will truly tell you how organized and clean I am. And the answer is not very, right? So my car sometimes is a little bit of a, of a, of a pile. And uh, I like to eat fast food from time to time. I'm not going to tell you where, but Chick-fil-A, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but I'll, I'll go get fast food and I'll eat it and I'll be in such a hurry that I won't clean it out of my car when I get out and leave my car overnight. I don't garage my car. Um, and I get in my car the next day. Now, the thing about leaving fast food is that it doesn't grow, but it definitely does something. And whenever that fast food is allowed to do its thing, it's the death of all good things. When I get in the car the next day, I just think, oh my goodness, what did I do? This is crazy. I can't believe I left this in the car, right? But this is what happens to us in life. We leave stuff in our life that we should have thrown away. We should have cleaned it out. We should have gotten rid of it, but we left it there. And then after some time passes, we go, wow, this was the death of some really good things. Whew, I don't really want to be around this, right? So, I want to talk to you really quickly, and this is, this is straight from the story, about two ways to ignore the garbage, two ways to accommodate the garbage, two ways to kind of make ourselves feel better about the garbage in our life. And both of these are, are guaranteed to backfire, but these are the ones that the Pharisee used in our story. Right? The first one is this. If you want to try something that's destined to backfire, just compare your garbage to somebody else's garbage. And people do this all the time. We did this when we were growing up, when you were a teenager and you missed curfew. 
come home late. Your parents say, you missed curfew, right? And you say, well, I'm not doing drugs. <laughs> your spouse is upset with you because you didn't do something you said you were gonna do. Well, at least I'm not out there cheating on you. Your boss coaches you up for a mistake that you made at work. Well, at least I'm, I'm an honorable person. I'm not like some other people who cheat from the company. I'm not like some other people who, who mess stuff up around here intentionally. At least if I make a mistake, it's a mistake that was unintentional. You know, you, you should really check out some of the other people that work around here. I mean, those are the ones you should be coming down on. It's almost as though we'll say, yeah, fine. There is garbage. By the way, this is legitimate New Spring garbage. This is not a prop. See, I said everybody has garbage. Um, yeah, there may be some garbage in my life, but just for occasions where somebody decides to point it out to me that there is garbage in my life, I keep this nice picture of the dump. Because when you look at this picture, and then you look at this, now, look at the picture, look at this, look at the picture, look at this, look at the picture. Now see, this doesn't look so bad. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, I put this on the wall, I frame it, look at it. Look at how bad a lot of people are. Once you look at that and then you look at my garbage, it's almost like it's not garbage. It's almost like it's nothing. That's exactly what this Pharisee did, right? He said, look, I'm not like other people. See, cheaters, right here. I haven't done that. Adulterers, people that cheat on their spouse. I haven't done that. Look, God. Sure, maybe there's a couple things that I could do better, but after all, if you take into account the way other people are, I don't really have any problems. See, the problem with that is that your relationship with Jesus is a fiercely personal relationship. You don't get a group rate. There is no curve. God doesn't take you and compare you with the next guy and go, all right, well, compared to the next guy, you're, you're pretty good. Because God isn't interested in the curve. He's interested in the reality of your life. He's interested in you not being in a position where trash is accumulating and now it's becoming your identity. That's what he's interested in. It, it, it helps not at all to compare myself to the guy down the block or the, or, or the friend that I know or the relative that I know that's not, that's not doing what they should. Because at the end of the day, God says, look, our, my relationship with this is my business. My relationship with you is our business. So that's the first thing. The first thing is we, we compare our garbage to somebody else's garbage. It makes us feel better at first, and we can kind of minimize it. But that strategy only works for a little while. You know, I'm going to set this down right here. The second one is my favorite. This is a fun strategy, right? The second one is this. You can just decorate the garbage. Right? I mean, after all, you give it a little pop of color, you know? Something that helps it kind of not look quite so egregiously bad here. We'll just wrap this up like this, you know. Put this around here. And, you know. Now, I'm a professional gift wrapper. Watch very carefully. Um, just like that, right? And we'll give it a little crimp up here. Now, this is high style, right? This is, if you really want to make a package look good, you just like that, right? Right? Still missing something. Um, give a little, little bow here, right, like that. Now that looks pretty, doesn't it? I'm going to give it maybe two. Maybe two bows. Give it a little something up here. Right? Just, just, now hold still. Right there. All right. Still missing something. <laughs> now see, not so bad. Doesn't really look like trash anymore. I'm going to just start calling it a beanbag. All right? 
Look at it. He says, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income, right? The Pharisees were like OCD on doing things to make it look like they were good with God, right? They have a little herb garden, right? How many of you have ever had an herb garden? You've grown herbs. You bought them from the store and the little plant, right? Can you imagine this? In order to prove that they were tithing 10% of everything, they wouldn't just give like a normal person would give. They'd go out to their herb garden. They would spend the whole morning making sure that every 10th leaf of the herb was pulled off so that they could give that to God. I'm not sure what God was doing with herbs, but they, they were, I'm going to give God my, a tenth of my herbs. Right? It was a pointless exercise, but it was to prove that if anybody is right with God, I'm right with God. It was decorating the garbage. It was saying, see, look, you know, if we dress it up. See, I'm a member of the PTA. Isn't that nice? I'm, I'm a member of a great church. Nothing wrong with being a member of a great church. I hope you are. But that should not be what makes us feel better about our garbage. I've been baptized. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But we, don't, we shouldn't use baptism as a way of decorating our garbage. Or I, you know, I, I volunteer in my community. That's awesome. You should do that. But don't use it as a way of decorating the garbage. I volunteer at New Spring. That's fantastic. We couldn't do this without you. But let's not use it as a way of decorating the garbage. Because what happens is eventually you start calling a trash bag a bean bag. And eventually we go nose deaf to what the reality is in our life. We look at it and we think, well, it actually looks pretty good. And pretty soon we lose our bearings. See, here's what the Bible wants us to understand. The Bible says, when I decorate the garbage in my life, I'm telling myself a lie. The only reason I do this is so I can tell myself everything's okay. The only reason I do this is so I can tell myself that I actually do have a garbage-less life. But look at what the Bible says. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they do what? They deceive themselves. What is this verse telling us? The verse, this verse is telling us it is possible for us to have a perception of someone or of ourselves and the reality to be a completely different thing. I could have a perception of you, but the reality could be completely different. I could have a perception of me, and this is the most dangerous thing. I could have a perception of me. I could look at my garbage and think it's really nicely decorated. It's not even really garbage anymore. I'm gonna call a garbage bag a beanbag. But that's not the reality. The reality is something removed from that. The Bible tells us how those two things can be. The Bible says that the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. You can decorate them all you want and you may fool the people that you're close to. You may even fool yourself. But the Bible says people judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees under the wrapping paper. When I was a kid, I told you earlier, I can be a little messy at times. When I was a kid, my room would tend to get messy, and my mother would tell me it was time to clean up my room. And that was bad news. It's really bad news whenever your mom tells you you have to clean up your room, because that's a whole afternoon gone, you know? But I, I had this epiphany from God. I really think it was God that gave this to me, that, that really what my mom wanted to see was an empty floor. And I thought, I can make that happen in three or four minutes. So what I would do is I would take all the stuff on the floor, and we, at the time we lived in, a, in an old house that was been built like 100 years previous, and in those older homes there were nooks and crevices everywhere. You know, that's how they were built at the time. So I would take all my stuff, and I would shove it under the bed and in the nooks and the crevices and wherever I could find. I wasn't organizing anything. I was just relocating. I really felt like God had said, Jonathan, redistribute, increase the boundaries of your room. Go find the, stuff, find the places and shove it in there, right? So I go and tell my mom the room is clean. Now there's something about moms, 
God gives them some sort of x-ray vision. But when, when they tell their child to clean the room and the child comes back five minutes later and says, it's clean, but when they come back, somehow they see under beds and they see in closets and they see in the nooks and crevices, right? Because while I may have convinced myself that the room was clean and I might have convinced somebody else who was my age and had not done much living that the room was clean, my mom knows the score and when she goes in there, she sees underneath things and around things and behind things and she says, you may think it's clean, but I don't think it's clean. See, God sees around things, and he sees underneath things, and he sees behind things. Oh, we can hide it. We might convince somebody that we love or somebody that's close to us that it's not there. We might convince ourselves it's not there. But God's going to look, and he knows the score. God looks on the inside, right? The, the Bible, Jesus had something to say about this specifically to the Pharisees. He said, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful... To do what? To decorate. You're great decorators. You know? He says you clean the outside of the cup and the dish and you make it look so nice and sparkly, but inside there is mold, there is rot, there is filth, and I don't want anything that you try to serve me from that dish. It can look nice on the outside, but the important thing is the inside. You, can, you, you put some, some Doritos in that dish that's got all that mold and junk in there and hand it to me, and I'm going to say, no, thank you, because you haven't taken care of the most important part of the dish. Inside, you're filthy. He said, you're greedy people and you're self-indulgent. He said, you know, you, you think you've got it going on, but you're the most selfish people around. He says, you blind Pharisee. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Now, why, why does Jesus say he's blind? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That's an interesting choice of words. And Jesus, doesn't, Jesus isn't into redundancy. He doesn't use words for no reason. He says, you blind Pharisee. You know what I think Jesus is trying to say is that if we spend enough time trying to convince ourselves that we don't have garbage, eventually we'll come to believe what we've tried to convince ourselves. Eventually, we'll come to believe that it isn't what it is. We will become nose deaf. Everybody else around us will smell it, but we won't smell it. Everybody else around it will know it, but we won't know it. Now our identity's wrapped up in it. We've hoarded worthless stuff, and now it's become who we are, and we're not able to let go of it. Now, what about this tax collector guy? We've spent a lot of time on this Pharisee, this religious teacher, right, who got it wrong. What about the guy who got it right? I, I say that because there's, there's both a, a sobering message from this passage and a really liberating message. The sobering message is that a person who thinks they are better than they are, God knows the truth. God knows the truth. The really encouraging message is that a person as messed up as a tax collector can walk out of his encounter with God, made right before God. You know what I think Jesus was trying to say? I think he was trying to balance what he was saying with, you know, the worst person in this room. He said the best person, the person who thinks they're the best in this room may have a little bit of a struggle. They may have a problem on their hands, but the person who thinks they're the worst in this room is not beyond God's forgiveness. The Bible says the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me. You know why? I'm a sinner. He goes to church in front of God and everybody. 
He says, God, I've got garbage. I got garbage. I don't know what to do about it. I'm asking you to help me with my garbage. That's what the difference. You have one guy who thinks he's got it together, who's decorated his garbage, he spent his life doing it. You've got another guy who says, you know what, I don't care who knows that there's garbage in my life because God needs to know it. God needs to know that I know that it's garbage and I need to ask for God's help with this. And the Bible says it was that person who left justified before God. So what's the point of this story? What's the moral? What does it all boil down to? It's this, God will deal with the garbage, but he expects me to be real about it. At some point, I gotta quit dressing it up. I gotta quit denying it's there. I gotta quit acting like it's no big deal. And I gotta come to God and say, this is something I'm struggling with. This is something that is difficult for me to know what to do with. It's bigger than me. I generate this. I don't know what to do with it, but it's accumulating in my life. It's getting ready to take over my identity. I need you to do something about it. Can I show you one more verse and, and, and then we're gonna be done? Proverbs 28, 13. This is back in the Old Testament. This is, this is an Old Testament passage projecting forward to the story that we just read about. People who conceal their sins will what? Not prosper. They're not headed in a good direction. But if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Hmm. If they confess and turn from them. What does that mean? Hey, it's something you do every week. Something I do every week. You know what I do every week? I, I go out on garbage eve and I get my, you know, the last of the garbage that's in the house and I put it in the bin. Do you know what it means when I put that garbage in the bin? It means that I'm recognizing that it is garbage. I wouldn't put it in the bin if I didn't recognize that it was garbage. I'm also letting go, right? Because if I wanted to keep it, I would not put it in there because somebody is gonna come pick it up and they're gonna take it somewhere where I'm never gonna see it again. So I'm letting go of it. I'm saying this is garbage and I don't need it. I don't wanna keep it in my life. I'm letting go of it. And then what I do, I push it out to the curb. And then when I finish pushing it out to the curb, you know what I do? I walk away. See, what some of us need to do is we need to look at some things in our life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a way of thinking Maybe it's treating others a certain way, but there's some garbage in our life and it's accumulated and we need to be willing to say, you know what, this is garbage. You know what confession is? From the biblical standpoint, it means that I'm willing to accept God's truth about something in my life. So God's truth is that there are some things in my life that are garbage. When I accept that and when I stand at that bin and I say, this is garbage and I put it in there and I say, I may struggle with this behavior or with this, this may not be the last that I've ever seen of it, but as far as I have the power to manage it, I'm letting go. I may struggle with this, but as much as I can do it at this point in my life, I'm calling it garbage, I'm letting it go, I pushed it to the curb, and now I'm walking away. I don't need to see it again. I don't need it to show back up in my life. I'm not gonna go to the dump and try to go collect it. It's garbage. You know, the Bible says that for people who are willing to do that, God is willing to meet us at the curb and he's willing to say, okay, I can take that. When Jesus died on the cross, he understood that this was gonna be in my life. He understood that Jonathan Hoover is an imperfect person. He's gonna generate some garbage. It's gonna be ugly stuff, unsightly stuff, smelly stuff but he wanted to have a relationship with me anyway. His dying on the cross was to pay for the garbage I was gonna generate, to give me a chance 
to, to live a life where I'm not letting garbage accumulate and take over my life. The question is, what is it in your life that you need to push out to the curb? Every one of us has something. For some of us, it's, it's a few things. It's probably a few things for me. I need to examine my heart and say, God, what is it that I need to push out to the curb and then walk away? What is, what is it that I need to agree with you is garbage and then let go? And then to come to you, God, like that tax collector did. Think about this. The worst person in the city, the person everybody hated, came to God and said, God, I don't know what to do about this, but I know you love me. I'm asking you to do something about this. And the Bible said, that guy walked out of church, made right with God. Well, wouldn't you love to be right with God? The Bible says we just have to own up to our garbage and we have to come to him with open arms and say, will you help me? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a second. But if you would say, well, nobody's looking around, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you would say in this room, you know what, Jonathan, I'm struggling right now with something in my life. It could be anything. It could just be a thought pattern. It could be just difficulty in knowing how to deal with something. I mishandle things sometimes or I'm, I'm, I'm going through, you know, I'm dealing with the legacy of handling things a certain way my whole life and it's just really compiled up on me. But Jonathan, I'm, just deal, I'm struggling to to really let go of some of the stuff in my life that I know I really need to let go of. I'm, I'm getting ready to pray. I'd love to pray for you, and, I, and, and for me too, because I'm the first one with a hand raised, but if you would be that way while nobody's looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, Jonathan, I'm, I'm struggling with it right now. I need some help from God to turn loose of some stuff. There's hands up all over the room. I'm gonna pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for those of us, me included, who've raised our hands and said sometimes it's difficult to know how to identify that stuff in our life that we need to let go of. And sometimes it's so hard because before we know it, it started to take over. So Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and clarity to know what in our life is worthless that's accumulating that we just need to get rid of. And then give us the courage and the capacity to call it garbage, to put it in the bin, to walk it out to the curb, and then to walk away. Father, give us the boldness to be honest with you and with others. You already know the truth about us. Give us the boldness to accept that and to be real before you. Help us with this challenge, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here this week. Make sure to be here this weekend for the talk on the rapture.